Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happenings. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballish, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways, Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes, that that seems to be the decision. All down. Oh. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be, it'll be my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the Be Cool Radiator Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another edition of Horsepower Happenings. It is Dome Week. It's also birthday week, but, you know, that's a whole other thing. Uh, we talk about that and so much more coming up, but first, here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. The big discussion in the sprint car world is who is cheating who and who's going where. Confirmed drivers for the High Limit Sprint Car Series uh, as of this week include, but not limited to, Brad Sweet, Jacob Allen, uh, Casey Kane, Zeb Wise, Corey Eliason, and uh, Brenham Crouch are some of the ones that we've heard from. You can add to that list now Chris Windham and, uh, of course, also uh, Vermeer Motorsports. You can add them to that list. Who else is going where? Well, the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Sprint Cars have confirmed that David Gravel, Brock Zierfoss, Logan Schuhart, Geo Selzy, Sheldon Hodgenshield, Landon Crawley, and Bill Rose are committed to their 2024 schedules. So who is not confirmed going anywhere yet? Big names like Donnie Schatz, Tyler Courtney, James McFadden, Carson Macedo, Buddy Kofoid, Chris Windham. Uh, well, we just talked about Chris Windham. We now know where he's going. Uh, Rico Abreu is rumored to be go high limit sprint car series racing. So... Lots of turmoil right now in that 410 sprint car uh, camp, so uh, we'll keep an eye on that. News come out uh, during PRI. A lot of stuff came out during PRI, Rich, but one of them was Season 2 for the ASA Stars National Tour was released, and uh, a lot of the schedule looks similar, but there were some big changes. The second-year tour will open the season at New Smyrna Speedway on February 13th for the Clyde Hart Memorial New Smyrna, one of two new tracks added to the schedule, Rich. The other one, right here in central Michigan. Owasso Speedway will host the ASA Stars National Tour on August 17th. The trip to the newly renovated 3 8 Mile will be the ASA brand's first appearance in Michigan since June of 2004. And one other big news item happening. This is not a Motor City Minute anymore, but... How about Carson Hosevar? We found out today that his Cup Series team and ride will have the support of a Michigan-based uh, business that we've all come to know and well. Ziegler Automotive is going to be on the side of that 77 machine in 2024 to support Carson Hosevar. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. 
Happy Gateway Dirt Nationals week, Rich. Yeah, are we done yet? Can I get out? Can I, can yeah. I start packing? Yeah, I know. Yeah. i got to work one more day tomorrow, and then, bam, it's time. Yeah, yeah, I'll be busy tomorrow night. Looking forward to it. Uh, you know, everybody everybody I talk to says uh, this is one of those once-in-a-lifetime experiences. Well, I haven't experienced it yet. So um, I'm sure in your company we will have quite the time over the uh, over. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I, uh, I, I, I imagine so. <laughs> I imagine so. Uh, so let's talk about it, Rich. We talked with Cody Bauer a couple of weeks ago about the Dome. We'll talk with uh, Rachel Carpenter and Megan Sanders coming up a little bit later on. They're going to be racing this week, a couple of first-time guests on Horsepower Happenings. But PRI is over. Now all attention, Rich, really goes to St. Louis and uh, these amazing superstar athletes in the uh, dirt late model and dirt modified realms who will be competing at the dome at St. Louis. Um, you've done a nice job compiling some uh, drivers that you are keeping an eye on. Tell me what you've got. Yeah. So what, how they're going to do it this year, they're going to have two prelim nights, Thursday and Friday. And uh, if you make it out of your prelim nights, you make it to Saturday. Um, that's pretty much the bottom line. So, I, I, and they really have these split up. I don't know how they did it. If it was just, I think it was by, random draw if i remember they were, they had it live on facebook and did a random draw so they so they didn't try to pair anybody up to to try to make things interesting let's just go to thursday night just just uh rolling down this tyler herb uh obviously nick hoffman uh shannon babb bobby pierce hudson o'neill i mean is is this a lucas oil or outlaws race or what i mean you you keep going down the list yeah and and then um you know, our own Rusty Schlank gets to jump in the battle with those guys on Thursday night. They also had, uh, you know, Gordy Gundaker also that night, Freddie Carpenter. Uh, I mean, it, you, you go down this list, Carson Hosovar will be on the tab on Thursday night. Uh, Mike Harrison, Jason Fager. So a lot of guys, it, and, and it really, you know, you, we talk about that little track can really even the playing field, and it really does. So those are some of the guys that we're looking for on Thursday. On Friday, Jimmy Owens, RTJ, uh, Ryan Unzicker. I mean, you go right down the list. Carson Ferguson, Tyler Carpenter, that uh, Brandon Shepard, that and Cody Bauer's going to be on tap on on Friday night. Uh, Devin Gilpin, obviously, we've seen him in our region run before. Spencer Hughes. So you go down this list, and um, they got it kind of evened up. It, it, it's awfully interesting how. For a random redraw, Thursday and Fridays, they have some of the powerhouses pretty evenly spread out. I think you have to. Um, you know, I, like you said, we don't know what the inner workings are, but you'd hate to have a, uh, a prelim night that sends a fair amount of powerhouse guys to a last chance qualifier race. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anything that says that's not going to happen. <laughs> you, just, you don't you're, know that. You're I right. Mean, you, you, and that's, that's you know, from what I'm – I mean, I've watched it before, and that's one of the things that the Dome does. It's an equalizer. Could you see Bobby Pierce and Hudson O'Neill in a last-chance qualifier? Heck, yes, you could. Yeah, you know? yeah for sure. Um, and, I mean, we saw Tyler Carpenter and Hudson O'Neill mix it up last year. You know what I mean? And, and the, the contact on the back straightaway and uh, newsflash, one of those guys didn't go to the big dance. Yeah, you're, and you're, you're not racing around a track as big as a football field. Right. So – I, I guess that's what I mean. I mean, it, it it obviously needs it's something to watch, but it it's just for the excitement itself, just pick, because you don't know what's going to happen. 
I'm excited, uh, just like you said, from what we've seen on TV. Um, you know, they've reconfigured the track a little bit this year. They've tried to add some banking to it to bring that high lane in. Um, I, you know, last year there was some concern, Rich. If you remember, that place uh, became very bottom dominant. Nobody could get off the K rail. And they, they finally got the top to come in, but it just wasn't quite fast enough to uh, really do anything. Made for some exciting racing, right? When you're when you're scrapping for the bottom and you have no choice but to use the chrome horn but do it delicately enough that the guy doesn't wreck, I think that is still does have an element of excitement. But interesting to see. Uh, you know, we, we've heard that they're going to add some banking to this racetrack uh, this year. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. There might be a chance that uh, either one of us could have a chance to bring home some body parts for the after the weekend. You never uh, know. Uh, there should know. be plenty. Uh, there should yeah. be plenty to go around, you would think. I thought you were going to say to bring home some of the racetrack, and I think that's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> yeah, I, well, well, that's that's the easy part, right? right. I, I think I, I think bringing home body parts, but there's going to be a lot of body parts to go around, I think, by, by the time we get to Sunday Saturday night. How would you like to be an aluminum dealer after uh, after Dome Week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they should pull up a truck and just start paying for it out there, right? <laughs> yeah, we did We'll take four sheets of blue, please, because uh, yeah, we're right. going to need it all. Um, so and Zach, we don't want to forget, though. We don't want to forget. I know we, we've been spending a lot of time, and we'll spend a little more time tonight on the late models. But uh, modified, GMP modified yeah, Thursday thank and you. Friday as well. And um, they have theirs split up between Thursday and Friday as well. So Thursday night, just some of the Thursday night guys in the UMP modified, doing new spawn, of course. Great 2023 season, wherever he went. Uh, Kenny Wallace. RTJ, uh, Justin Haley, Todd Sherman, Tyler Nicely. Uh, I think he was the UMP national champion this year. Um, so, I mean, you go down this list, Chad Bauer from, from Farwell, he'll be in that on Thursday night. Uh, Jimmy Owens is going to jump back in a modified on Thursday. Love to so, see that. Yeah. So, and then we jump over to Friday. Uh, Drake Troutman, that young man we saw uh, running World of Outlaws late models, uh, started out running modifieds he's coming back uh let me see mike mckinney carlos samada jr uh dylan thornton uh let me see charlie mefford real popular going down the list kyle steffens all of these guys jake tim these are all friday night drivers for the ump modifieds they got those split up pretty good as well i'm excited rich uh, bottom line you know thank you for making sure that those modifieds got included because Arguably, the Modifieds put on one of the best shows during last year's Gateway Dirt Nationals. So, um, it, rightfully so, to make sure that you include them. Our coverage on uh, Horsepower Happenings will begin on Wednesday when we start our trip to St. Louis. Um, Rich, we will uh, we'll be begin posting on our social media channels and uh Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, look for the updates there. Sounds like we might have a couple of different perspectives of this event uh, this weekend. So uh, from behind the scenes to in the stands to who knows, the hotel room, the bar, the... Well, let's be careful on what... <laughs> all right, let's, there's, some, there's some things that listeners of this program yeah, yeah. do not need to know. All right, let's just... Well, you know, it's either it's either start dialing up X's or go to social media and go Facebook Live. I mean, I don't know. You yeah. know, we might have a choice to make at the bar that night. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> one, th 
one thing, one thing we can almost plan. What I'm going to try and do is we're going to try and get some uh, some cool interviews. Yeah. Um, from various drivers, not just the the guys making the trip from Michigan, but we'll try to get you know see if we can sneak in and get some interviews uh, and get them posted on social media over the weekend. So you got something else to watch. I know a lot of a lot of people like the interviews that we post and where you have the video to it as well. So we're going to try and do a lot of that as much as we can over the weekend. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and um, I don't know. Are we doing a show Monday? We probably should when we get back from St. Louis um, to recap everything. Yeah, we'll be home Sunday, right? Yeah, we'll be home that's the plan. Sunday afternoon, so we don't have an excuse to blow off Monday. Yeah, and we're going to have to blow off Monday on uh, Christmas and New Year's, too, so we probably should do a show next week. Yeah, probably be a good idea. Well, Zach, we're really excited to get to Gateway, get to the Gateway Dirt Nationals in a couple of days and spend a few days there for the weekend. Our first trip uh, on the phone lines now, we have a couple of dirt late model drivers, and we've, we've done this before, but I don't think we could say they were in the same family had them on the show, um, and their sisters. That, I know, is a first time. Yeah, this is a first. Uh, yeah, from Lancaster, South Carolina, uh, we have... We have uh, Rachel Carpenter, and from Lexington, Kentucky, we have Megan Sanders. Ladies, welcome. Thank yeah, you. Thank you for having us be on here. Uh, Rachel, let's start with you, just because uh, I'm more familiar, and I've watched you race a lot more. Um, kind of tell me about, you were at, uh, you've been, this is not your first trip to the Gateway Dirt Nationals, and I, I, it doesn't surprise me with you, because usually when I see you, you're showing up here at these big races trying to trying to challenge these big guys aren't you yeah we I mean sometimes we don't always belong but it's always it's always great to go and race those, those big guys and and some of the tracks and um events like we've gone to Eldor for the Baltus Classic a couple times too it's just it's just something different than your regular Saturday night racing Rachel why do you say uh it's interesting you came out of the gate saying what you said why would you say that you're at an event that you don't belong at that's uh ha- kind of handicap <laughs> yourself a little bit there why do you why would you say that I mean, I guess you got. A, I guess you got a good point. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, we're, we're definitely the smaller. We're one of the. I don't know if we're a small team in Michigan, but we're definitely not. You know, the top top ten cars in Michigan. Um, you know, I think there's, there's definitely some guys in Michigan that could go to any of those shows and 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 be very competitive and and not worry about making the show. Where when we go to some of these shows, you know, a lot of it's just the experience for us. Um, and then it's always like the goal is to make the show, but it don't, doesn't always pan out. So, Megan, we've talked to a lot of the dirt, prominent dirt late model drivers in our state, in the state of Michigan. Um, you, I guess I'm wondering when you go to Gateway and how small that racetrack is, most of them say it does level the playing field a lot. Do you believe that? 100%. Um, it's a lot of, a lot of luck. Um, where you start and it's a lot of, um, you know, who's, it's not necessarily who has the better car. It's, you know, who can manhandle the car the best and who, who's not afraid to, you know, push the envelope a little bit. And, um, it's, it brings back a lot of old memories from us growing up, um, just in quarter midgets, that small, tight little bull ring track. And, um, so me personally, I enjoy it. I'm sure Rachel also enjoys it, but it's definitely a leveled playing field, um, especially when you because you get to those bigger tracks. It's it's harder for us to compete at that level just because, I mean, we're racing against teams that 
could run circles around us. So to be able to go to the gateway and have that opportunity to, you know, go toe to toe with some of these guys with otherwise, you know, opportunities that we wouldn't have. Um, that's what makes gateway for us special and fun. Megan, I've seen both your guys race cars. They look sharp. You got them all, all spiffed up and waxed and you guys are going there knowing that these could be the last, this could be the last weekend for any of those body panels, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. And there wasn't very many fights putting those gra- graphics on this time. So, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know, Is there usually confrontation <laughs> getting these things ready? <laughs> no, just a lot of uh, putting big body panels on. When you don't hold the graphics too and... close to the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you hold the graphic at the wrong angle and it starts to go downhill or... You get a big old air bubble, which can't work out. It's always a good time. Yeah. Traffic, Th- then you remember that you're sisters again, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got to ask you guys, um, and and uh, I don't care who takes the lead on this. Uh, maybe, Rachel, I'll start with you because you have technically a couple of more years' experience in this division. Um, when you, you race around here, you race at Crystal and, and Mid-Michigan, and then you go to some big shows at like I-96 or maybe up to Merritt. Um, I think one of the things that is – Pretty prominent in Michigan, you know, when when you race up here is there seems to be a level of respect across the field on how you're going to get raced. You kind of know how someone is going to race you based on what you've seen them do before in the past and other situations. Um, I feel like when you go to St. Louis, almost all of that is out the window just based out of necessity. I mean, there's not room to be respectful and to be patient. How hard is it? for you to go there and and kind of throw all that uh, Midwestern, you know, niceness out the window and, and kind of, you know, strap the big girl pants on and, and know what you have to do there inside that arena? I know, I'm not going to lie. I think it's there's definitely a, a challenge element to it. Um, this year we went to Farmer City. We were going to do Farmer City Fairbury, and they rained out. And that was really the first time that I ever kind of really – like occasionally crystal will get a cushion up on the top and, and you can go ride the cushion but um i've never really like ripped the lip and i was able to do that at farmer city and so i'm kind of hoping as long as i can carry that mentality into the dome um i mean i'm kind of a bottom feeder i like the bottom but i'm thinking as long as i can go out there and i can be as aggressive as i was at farmer city i think we'll be in pretty good shape i'm excited to see what the track configuration will be with a little bit more banking and rachel how much of a difference is that i mean we know that that racetrack can be talking about you know uh the the dome at st louis that that racetrack can be right around the infield tractor tires or the infield uh, k-rail i guess you'd say uh, we saw it be locked down on the bottom last year it was kind of a, a snooze fest they had their work cut out for them to get a second groove cut into that thing um so when that track gets character and it gets that second lane i mean are you mentally are you just telling yourself okay rach you got to go out there and you just got to you know, hold this thing and, and give her all she's got? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much just put it where you can get it. Um, I mean, running the bottom there, too, is kind of challenging because you have to drive in so hard to hit the brakes, get the rotation, and not all at the same time not hit that infield wall and tear your nose off. So, yeah, it's. I thought going into it our first year it would be quite a bit like Merritt. I was mistaken. Um, <laughs> it's nothing like Merritt. Is there anything to compare um, it to? I know Megan said the quarter midget days, but... Is that it? Maybe quarter midgets, but I don't think anything like full size. I don't. I've never raced on as like the dome. It's definitely in its own class. 
Now, Megan, you, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to call it the way I see it. You're a little overshadowed by Rachel. You have uh, less time in these cars, not by much, but you do have less time in these cars and uh, you guys don't share the same last name. So some people may not even draw that connection. So what's your experience uh, with, with the dome uh, and, and do you have laps on this track? So last year was actually my first year racing. It was Rachel's second. And let me just say, it was the most humbling feeling to pull into the dome with, you know, just, you know, me, my truck, my trailer, my car, and my suit, and pulling up alongside these big stackers and just, like, for me, I have always just more or less ran the local Saturday night shows. Um, You know, my sister has been able to go to Farmer City and to go to, you know, tracks like Eldora and Attica. And I had never really had that opportunity because um, I, I was the first one to leave the nest. Um, so I never necessarily had that opportunity. So for the Dome to be my first race out on that kind of a stage, um, it was a little humble. It was a little intimidating, but it was also kind of exciting because I like the smaller bull ring type tracks. Um, I've always struggled at bigger tracks. I don't know why. I don't know if it's from, um, my asphalt experience in the asphalt world. So with a little bit smaller track to me, I feel more at home on that. Um, but it's, it's exciting to go to the dome again. Um, so we'll have to see how everything kind of plays out, but going into it, it was, uh, it was all, you know, taking the gloves off because you got to go, you can't go into there hoping and surviving that type of a race and that kind of a weekend with your car. You got to go into it thinking the car's not coming out. So <laughs> that was the kind of the mentality that I had to, you know, overcome going into it, got on the track. Um, I thought I got very comfortable with it very quick with like the two short hot laps that you get. And so I felt confident, felt comfortable, car felt good and um went out for qualifying and uh i i got into my head a little bit i was watching the jumbotron up on top because right where you um you sit to get onto the track you can watch it and everyone was running a certain line and i was like okay i'm watching watching seeing kind of where the track is heading i go out there and i completely just get in over my head and the qualifying makes or breaks your weekend and because I overthought it and overprocessed it, I just stunk up qualifying, which put me in the tail. Um, so definitely a good learning experience. I'm glad I can go back and do it this year, not looking at the Jumbotron. Um, <laughs> but just going out there with the mindset of, you know, again, gloves to come off, elbows are up, and go in there expecting the car to not come out. I mean, as bad as that sounds. Like, you can't drive very reserved on that type of track because you don't have the time. I mean, you only have a couple, a handful of laps to make the show out of 150-plus cars. So you can't wait. you got to be banging on people's back doors and pushing them out of the way if you can. You know, Megan, I came from the pavement world as well. And when I got introduced to dirt track racing, um, yeah, I fell in love with the late models, right? And I don't believe anybody that has the guts to get into a late model um, has should have the word intimidated or does, because I think that's one of the hardest things you can do in racing is drive a dirt late model. hundred percent. It was, um, 
I Rachel has more obviously more dirt laid experience than I do. I ran an asphalt modified, and I will say, over the years of driving both cars, um, dirt has made me a better asphalt driver. Asphalt, there was very very few things that asphalt did to benefit me on the dirt track. Um, the first couple of years of driving in the dirt late model series, um, I struggled a lot. Um, a lot of the things that was engraved into my head of this is how you do it. This is how you do it. It, it would spin you out or put you in the wall. It would one or the, one or the other didn't matter what. Um, <laughs> I was going to say the really one thing, struggled with that. the one thing that I've ever heard from guys and drivers, I did both when I raced and other drivers who did both. I think the only thing that you can take from asphalt is throttle control. That's probably about it. Yeah, that that's pretty much it on the the on the the slick tracks. That's where it comes in handy. Um, the the thing that struggles on the flip side of that is when the track is wet and heavy. I struggle with just trusting the car, trusting the equipment, and just holding on. Um, that's been a constant working in progress thing. But the other big hurdle was just going from an open wheel modified to a you know a covered car you know being able to lean on a guy being able to kind of bang shoulders with somebody um because in an open wheel car it doesn't matter what type of car it is you touch wheels most of the time you're going a direction that you don't want to go in so um that was a huge hurdle that i kind of wasn't really addressing kind of was but not in a way that i needed to until last year's dome um where again you got to suck it up. You're going to have to lean on people. Your car will be okay. Your tires aren't going to go flat. You're not going to end up in, a, in you know, a wall or something unless you're doing something that you shouldn't be. But so a lot of that is bringing that this year. And Rachel, you know, you've, you should probably have, I'm imagining you go there with a little bit more confidence. Um, you know, it's not like you're just chasing people around from the back of the field here. You've won at crystal. So it's, it's gotta be, when you go there, you got to have a maybe a little bit higher level of confidence when you pull in there. Yeah, I, the first year we went, we really didn't know what to expect. Um, Greg, my my boyfriend at the time, fiance now, he had COVID, so like we were, re- he was in the hospital. Um, wasn't really sure what what if I was even going to go. Um, it's kind of last minute. He got released. He was feeling better. So Dad and I were like, well, let's go. Let's go do this. Um, it was two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. And uh, we qualified really good. We hot, we hot lapped really good. Um, and like Megan said, qualifying like qualifying is big everywhere, um, especially at the dome when the track's so small and you only get ten laps for your heat. Like it can really determine your weekend. Um, but anyhow, that first year we qualified really well. Um, didn't lock in through the heat, but we locked in the prelim night through the B main. And I was I was so stoked about that. I was so happy. Um, we got racing in the future, and I think it was Bloomquist and Bab got together um, pretty early on in the race. Sent Bab to the back. Oh. He got me. He passed me back in one and two. I had a pretty good run coming out of two, so I stuck it underneath him. He kind of took that bottom line going into three, and my option was for the infield or to hit the concrete barrier. So I oh, took man. the infield. Never got a caution. Um, ended that night early, but like being able to make that show against those cars, that was. Um, that was a huge um, confidence booster. And then we went last year, um, thought we were pretty decent in hot laps, went out to qualify, and the track dried up quite a bit. Um, and we were just way too free. I just spun my tires. Uh, but 
so we're we did some adjustments to the car a couple of weeks ago so we're kind of starting where we finished last year setup wise so hopefully we're tight for hot laps and then if need be we can just free it up a little bit for qualifying but i'm feeling pretty good i hope i hope we got a good setup as long as we get a good group of cars in our heat race i think we'll be we'll be pretty good rachel and megan you can ask answer this one too after is it is it I know, you, obviously, you guys are competitive and you want to go out there and you do well. But is there any part of you that that is just comfortable being part of such a huge event um, that has national coverage? Uh, I mean, yeah, being there is cool. Um, but there comes a point in the night where it's like, okay, well, I don't want to just be be a car on the track. You know, like I want to, I want to go out there and I want to have a really good run. That kind of goes to like anywhere or you pull into one in any of these shows, and it's like the excitement um, and the atmosphere is all great and whatnot. But then you go to put that helmet on and your mindset kind of changes. It's, it's, it's time to go out there and do what it takes to get to the front or do whatever you can, you know, to, to, to make it to the next race, to make it to the future and not have to run a B main. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, once that helmet's on, I don't really care who, who I'm racing with. I think let's just go and, and make the show. Megan, you feel the same way? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, other than the, I had the, the slight little jitters again, like, cause, um, both me and my dad, we drove down with both trailers and, you know, other than the, the little jitters of just the wow factor of pulling into the dome with the trailer and, you know, rolling the car out and knowing that this is by far the biggest stage, um, that, you know, I've ran on to date and it, it, it was cool in that sense, but same thing, like Rachel said, you know, as soon as that helmet goes on and you're, you're strapping in and you start the car up and you're just able to just kind of get in the zone and you know what kind of job has to be done to, to move forward, um, everything just kind of calmed right out. And um, I will say last year that uh, uh, my Saturday show um, kind of fangirling a little bit, kind of was looking over <laughs> to see who I started alongside and it was, you know, Scott Bloomquist sitting there right next to me and it's just like how I mean how cool is that just be able to be able to start next to practically a legendary late model driver and he's just sitting there next to me just cars idling warming up and um it's definitely a surreal experience but you know at the same time helmet's not just another driver so um it was definitely a cool experience and um I'm, I'm stoked to go back again what was your guys's uh, or your ladies' experience? I want to hear your perspective, Rachel. Of and this is the one thing that I keep hearing about uh, to get excited about when we go there, and that's the atmosphere. Um, whether it's the atmosphere while you're on the track, I'm sure that you may not be able to. Well, actually, I don't know. You're indoors, can I don't know if you can hear the fans or not. <laughs> um, but you know, you can probably see how they're reacting. You can hear the reactions when they, you know, something happens on track. Everybody saw. We talked with Cody about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, when Kenny Wallace won that LCQ and, and how the dome erupted like that. Um, what is that atmosphere like? Uh, Rachel, do you have any, anything that you can compare it to? Uh, there is nothing. I've So I've like I've gone to a lot of the big shows, uh, the Million, um, Dream, The World, East Bay a handful of times. Um, but there is nothing that compares to the dome experience. It's, it is absolutely electrifying. You know, they, they go to do the driver intros and... They have the pyros going off and the music and the smoke show. And 
you know when you go to a stadium and everyone's confined and or you go to a basketball game and and your team's down by one point and there's 10 seconds left on the on the shot clock there's just something about the atmosphere that builds up in the excitement um but you go to the dome and it's glorified it's, it's the same excitement but it's you know, you get the you get the goosebumps when they're when they're introducing the drivers and um no, if you guys have never been it's 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 one heck of a show, even just as a spectator in the stands. Well, we're gonna experience that coming up uh this weekend and we're excited about it. So uh you know, and Megan, you talk about when you pull in there and you just see everything and, and the um the ambiance and just the the way that it all comes together. After you compete in this event like that, and I know we talked about it a little bit, where you get into that racer mode and you don't just want to be a field, field filler, but um, what is the post-race emotion like? After you've put in the work, you've put in the travel, you've done the load-in, you've done the, the in-event maintenance, all the stress that comes with that, uh, what, what's the emotions like when you're pulling out of the racetrack, uh, out of the dome on Sunday morning, and, and you've competed and it's complete? Tired. <laughs> After a long <laughs> week, it is tiring. <laughs> um, I don't think we rolled out of there till I think two o'clock um, Sunday morning. Um, but uh, it was it's it's definitely just a, like I'm coming back. It's it's just that type of event that it's. I mean, you can sit there all weekend, and as soon as you're rolling out. I mean, you're, you're watching Facebook saying, you know, when's the next one? What, you know, when can we sign back up? It's just, it's an addiction type of event and track. And, uh, it's so much fun. Um, it was kind of comical. I think it was Friday night that, um, you know, it was a good night when all you hear after the races is just hammers on sheet metal on concrete. <laughs> <laughs> and it it was just it was comical because that's all you could hear back in the pits that night um because i mean there was some cars that you know we were two lucky fortunate cars that we only had i think our filler panels were all smushed in and we had a little, little bit of quarter panel damage we came out unscathed enough to go let's try it again nothing, you know, nothing will bad happen we, we got out of it unscathed but you know there were some other people that every time they drove past us their bodies were sitting on the car not on the car they were just like piled and um so after that long weekend it's it's relaxing to know it's all said and done you know you, you put everything you had out there on the track you raced along you know against some of the best people around and um you're able to load up roll home and kind of restart fresh for next year rachel somebody explained it to me and i can't wait to find out <clears throat> I'm a Red Bull drinker, right? Just have been for for a lot of years. And they tell me this is like a 72-hour adrenaline rush. I probably won't need a Red Bull all weekend long. Is that about accurate? I'd say that's pretty that's pretty close, yeah. Wow. Even even the prelim nights, you know, like that Kenny Walls when you got on his roof. Even like I think that was Saturday night, but even the prelim nights are so exciting. Everyone's on their feet and or when Cody Bauer won, and I think they were, I think they were like on him, and, and so it was a close race for between like first and fourth or fifth. I don't know. They were all under a blanket there. So even the prelim nights are really exciting. Well, before we let you ladies go, uh, the last thing that I wanted to ask here is, um, you know, you guys have been racing together as a family for quite some time. I ju I don't know the answer to this, and I don't necessarily want to know, but 
I gather, I think I have an idea who the older sister is and who the younger sister is. Um, and we have talked to countless brothers who have raced together. And the first one that comes to mind, Rich, is Colin and Brandon, who uh, since a young age were explicitly told you will not be on the racetrack together at the same time uh, because dad didn't want to fix that many race cars. What has it been like for you two to race against each other? Uh, and Megan, we'll start with you uh, in the role that I think that you're in. Uh, what's it been like to, to, to race with Rachel and, and see Rachel grow as a race car driver? You know, it's, it's been pretty cool to see her. I mean, she, um, she is my younger sister of the two of us. And um, it, was, it was always kind of cool growing up. Um, you know, I kind of, I, I had kind of the, the spotlight a little bit growing up um, amongst the two of us racing. And um, when we had that opportunity to flip into dirt, I mean, she just took off. Um, she excelled in it. It's kind of cool to be kind of under her wing a little bit. You know, she's been kind of giving me some of the tricks and the trades and stuff. So um, it's been cool to watch her um, progress and be as competitive as she is. Um, it's, I will still say, when we found out during the the, the uh, random pill draw of who was racing on what night this year, um, Dad was not too thrilled with the fact that both our names got pulled on Thursday. <laughs> and uh, he was, as soon as we seen that, he was immediately on the phone with us, and he's like, all right, this is the game plan. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he knows that whoever's behind the other, they got a big old target on their back. Right. And no one else on that track matters but that other car. <laughs> and uh, there's a reason that we have two trucks and two trailers. Things are separate. Separate us once Th in a while. <laughs> Things are separate for a reason. That's right. Rachel, how about for you in that younger sister role? And, uh, you know, it's interesting, right? At one time, you're you're in the shadows under the wings of Megan, and you flip the script, you go to dirt, you're the one who's kind of branching out and, and racing around and doing some different things, and now you can kind of send some pointers to the older sister, and uh, how, how has that role been for you? Yeah, I mean, like Megan said, I was definitely in the quarter midget and asphalt mod days, because I, I ran asphalt mods about a year and a half, or I guess maybe two years, but um, competitive probably a year and a half. Um, I was definitely under her wing for a lot, for all of that time. Um, and then I got the chance to go dirt racing before Megan did. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just, just fell in love with it. And, uh, Andy Sedman really is the one who kind of gave us the break in the dirt late model world. Um, gave us a, a ray burn to the motor Said you guys fix it. If you break it, other than that, go have fun. Um, so he, he ended up having another car that was sitting and gave Megan a chance. And I remember when she first got in it, she was, so terrified of hitting the outside wall and i ripped into her so hard i'm like that wall ain't moving quit looking at the wall and look down the straightaway so <laughs> we've definitely you know i mean go back and forth and don't, don't get me wrong when i'm behind that red eight it drives me insane but um <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's, it's been no. a good time Matt, nothing so feels better when you're able to pull up alongside her though <laughs> but I you bet. know just getting into her head Oh, this is going to be. Fun. I can't wait just to watch you two race each other. I, I mean, not that, I, not that we anybody wants that to happen, right? Because the odds are better if you guys are separated. I think. But hey, we're looking forward to seeing you guys this weekend. Uh, promise, Zach and I get a selfie with each of you guys when we get to Gateway. That's right. 
Sounds good. Thank you guys for having us. (laughs) Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. Gateway Dirt Nationals, you know what the coverage will be on Horsepower Happenings all this week. Uh, We'll have uh, Rachel and Megan and, of course, uh, more of the guys that are going to be there. Uh, We'll have your inside access, behind-the-scenes stuff to those drivers from your region right here on Horsepower Happenings. Rich, after absolutely uh, stirring the pot in the most, uh, you know, fun way that we could, I think. Garrett, come on last week, and we had a great conversation about tires uh, in the dirt late model scene. And uh, one of the discussion points was about what it takes to have a racetrack who is maybe not, uh, you know, running the national rules to get a national tour. And then lo and behold, just two days later, after that podcast airs, uh, we get big news from the uh, likes of Crystal Motor Speedway, and it's our pleasure now to welcome in uh, one of the folks who is behind that uh, management team at Crystal Motor Speedway, makes his home in Sumner, Michigan. Brian LeBaron, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, thanks for having me back, fellas. I appreciate it. Thank it's, you. It's almost like Garrett had heard something through the grapevine that there may be something in the works. and uh, You know, it was <laughs> ironic that I, was, I had sealed that deal that day that's great and then watch the podcast that night and obviously you can't say anything because Dan wants to announce at pri the schedule so i just kind of was chuckling a little (laughs) bit that it was actually gonna happen and nobody thought it could well let's back up a little bit here and i want to go back to about this time in 2022 when we understand that ron will not be returning and this new uh these new faces are going to come in and and run the show at crystal and we talked on the show about how many phone calls emails and text messages you fielded for one division regarding tires and that of course the late model tire um you guys end up making a decision to go with american racers and you run the 2023 season as um it had been run many many seasons before on american racers Recap your season. How did things go? Uh, and, of course, uh, I, I want a generalization of the whole season, but also talking about late models specifically. Brian, how were things at Crystal in 2023? I think it was fantastic. I might be somewhat partial, but <laughs> uh, I thought it went really well. You know, I mean, we had to take all factors in consideration when you're considering which route to go. And ultimately, it just it's not about the tire war. I just, I, I almost hate hearing that. I, I don't, I don't really care which tire is better or which tire is worse. What, what I care about is what my people that support me every week, what they would rather run or what fits their budget. We're not in the per se Mecca of late model racing. Yeah. Late model racing is great in Michigan. I don't want to take anything away from it, but we're not in that Indiana, Illinois, uh, Midwestern area, Georgia, you know, where they run some of the bigger shows. We don't get those guys up here as much as we'd like to. And so we have to do things a little differently and base our decisions on the 25 guys that are going to support us every Saturday night. And Brian, we talked last, yeah, we talked last week with Garrett and, and we were actually, you know, we, we were having a fun debate, right? You heard it. We were going back and forth. Sure. It was, it was good. You know, and, um, but you do get some of the guys that run elsewhere on Hoosier Tires, and some of them show up there, and they'll put on the mm-hmm. American Racers at your racetrack. Yes, sir. Yeah, and I how, think if you how's the competition when they come there? Last year, I got told that it was some of the best late model racing we've ever had. I mean, Ryan Flynn, we, we had some bumps at the beginning trying to figure out our surface. 
And once we figured that out, the racing was fantastic. I mean, I think Derek came from 10th and one. Uh, we had a guy win from ninth. Mikey came from seventh once and won. So it wasn't just who started on the pole, won the race. You had to be on your game to win the race. One of the things that I often see as an argument for this uh, tire discussion is that track prep really is the difference maker. Guys will say that Hoosiers will only last a night, and then somebody will jump on there and say, well, you need to get off of the sandy, dry, slick racetracks uh, that eat those tires up. Now, we live in Michigan. We race in Michigan. Uh, we are dealt the ground that we have beneath us for the most part to work with. But I know that it was a mission of yours to work on that track surface at Crystal. How did that uh, project go for you? It was a lot of work. It was more, even more so than we thought it would be. I mean, we worked, uh, as as we all know, we got rained out the first five nights, so we were unable to get any cars on the track as you're adding. And you can't just go out and add 12 inches of clay. You have to add little bits at a time and pack it in, and there's a process. And that process, we spent all summer last year on that process. And I really think by the time we got to the end of the summer, it was really coming around, and we had a lot of grip out there. Matter of fact, I think uh, uh, we had a sprint car qualify 111, 110, 111 miles an hour, and we had uh, um, uh, Logan Nickerson ran a late model lap 106, I believe it was. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> so that's pretty impressive on a three-eighths mile dirt track for sure. And I recall, Brian, when and, we talked to you, you said one of your goals was to get some multi-groove racing in. Um, how, yeah. how, how did that plan out? It got better as the year went along. We had a spot on our track where uh, the, the banking had been cut out of one of the corners in, in trying to create better racing, and I'm not sure if it went that way. I think uh, once Ryan added that banking back in and we added uh, 10 or so feet of uh, width on the track, during the season last year and i think that made a huge difference once we were able to cut that outside lane in so there was a top and a bottom that made a big difference on the uh on the show itself and i think derek was on a month or so ago and he he touched on that a little bit that it once it slicked off you had to search out for grip and we all want to go watch what have you and watch cars do 150 miles an hour but that's not always the best racing yeah. You'll hear the pros a lot on TV when, when you're watching the interviews that they wish Tony would just slow the track down a little bit or they wish so-and-so would just slow it down because sometimes that dry slick is just much better racing for a fan to watch because you have the high-low battles in every corner and, and there's more than just one lane following each other. When the track's super fast, it's hard to pass, and that creates a one-lane racing surface. And Brian, you know, and there'll be a lot of people out there say, well, they're late models. You know, these guys are good enough. They'll hook up to anything. But I guess the key is, how did your eight-inch tire classes do and in, in, in smaller tires? Because you have a lot more of those cars there every week than you do late models. Yeah. yeah. I, I got a lot of compliments, and I guess you base it on what the people that are running the track say. And, you know, I hate I hate to say things like, it was the best racing that Crystal's ever seen because that's not fair to past promoters. And, uh, and also our memories may be, you know, not as good as what we think they are sometimes. So I, I have a hard time saying it was the best it's ever been, but boy, in my opinion, it was the best it's ever been. 
So let's talk about it. We, we, we've been talking about your racetrack this year. The big announcement last week, uh, Summer Nationals Hell Tour coming to Crystal. Talk about that decision. Well, I had a couple of goals, and one of them I hope we get a chance to talk to a little bit later. And the second one was bringing a touring series to the track at Crystal. I just, Crystal, for whatever reason, is one of the fastest racier tracks that we have in Michigan with the high banking and the, uh, the banked backstretch and the D shape. It allows for some high speed uh, racing on the small 3 8 track. And so it was a goal of mine to see some of these. Uh, the traveling circuits come in because I watch them on TV and they're just, no matter what the conditions are, they're good, right? They, they do their homework and they know what's going on and, and they don't work on their cars only on Friday nights. I'm not saying that all of our locals do that, but some do. And uh, so it will be exciting to see, uh, I don't want to say technology, but just R and D and knowledge coming to play at the, at the track and the surface that we offer. I, I cannot tell you how excited I am to see that happen. You know, when we talked to you the beginning of last year, when you guys, um, you know, made the decision when they, when it was announced, you were taking over, um, you guys said, no, we're going to do this slow. We're, we, we, we don't want to change a whole lot. We just want to kind of roll into this. Um, this isn't a moving slow decision. Do you think? No. No, it's, uh, I mean, we tried to get the race last year, but it just didn't work out scheduling wise. And it's probably for the better, just so we got a year to figure everything out and how to run a uh, speedy and efficient show. And I think for the fans sake, it takes that nobody wants to watch the running trucks or uh, nobody wants to sit there for a one hour intermission or anything like that. So we, we really worked on making sure we kept up what Ron had started and we run a very fast pace one car leaves one one class leaves the next class pulls on we make sure that uh, nobody is sitting around watching nothing we make sure that there's entertainment going at all times and so when you when you do things like that and then you bring in the big traveling circuit sometimes those are slowed down a little bit they want track prep done throughout the night they want so it's a little bit different than we're used to so It'll, it'll be interesting, and I have no doubt that we'll be able to handle it. Ryan Flynn is great at what he does, and uh, I am just elated that Sam gave us the yes. I got a, a couple questions for you on the other side of things. So we'll look at the schedule, 2024 Summer Nationals uh, schedule. Michigan traditionally is always the final week. And uh, that holds true week five, Tuesday is a TBA. I, I wonder if we're looking at a, uh, you know, maybe a, a Thunderbird or a Tri-City or something to sneak in there. But Hartford on Wednesday, Butler on Thursday, Crystal on Friday. Uh, for Butler, Thursday, Saturday is a little bit easier. They get a day in between. What is your plan? You're running on a non-traditional night, Friday night. Are you going to be able to race on the uh, 13th when the Summer Nationals are down at Oakshade? Sure. We, we've, we run multiple two day shows throughout the year. We are, uh, most every holiday we have a two day show, the 4th of July weekend. We usually have a two day show this year. It happens to be spread out a little bit, but that's nothing new to us. Uh, anybody that, you know, we have the campground at the track and we allow people to stay at the track and anybody that has stayed there notices our lights don't go out till three, four or five in the morning because directly after the races are over, Ryan is right on the track preparing for the next race. 
So that is not anything that's out of the norm for us. It'll just be a little higher level than we're used to. $10,000 to win. Oakshade matches that, and that matches. Uh, there, there's no purse higher than $10,000 to win. So caps off to you guys for, for being able to keep that money alive because the other challenge of week five is getting national tour guys to come to Michigan if they're not in some sort of championship hunt for the summer nationals. We've seen it right. time and time again that those big-name guys uh, don't show up in week five uh, unless they're in it for a chance at the championship. So this is a twofold question. $10,000 to win. Crystal Motor Speedway, a place that the summer nationals have maybe never been to or haven't been to in a long time. Um, what is what is the hope to pull some of those big-name guys? And then the, the other question is, how many of your local late model guys who refuse to invest in Hoosier racing tires do you think are going to support this show? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, as far as getting people to come and race, I think last year they announced the weekly uh, point fund, and I think that helped a lot. We seen Winger come up to Michigan, and I think Unzicker came. There were four or five of them, I think, that came to Butler last year. And I think that has a great deal to do with it because if they run well on Tuesday and Wednesday, then they want to finish the week out and make sure they get that extra. I believe it's $5,000. Yeah, you're exactly right. I forgot about the weekly uh, points thing. You're right. That did help with those guys. So you get that 5000 for first, 3000 for second, and 2000 for third. I believe it's a 10000 a week points fund. Yeah, I think you're so right. So that should do a lot this year to draw them in. Last year was kind of an abnormality because of the rain out. So I think they only got Butler and Oakshade that week, or Butler and Wayne County, I believe, I think is how it went. Yeah, you're Something right. Something of that nature. Uh, yeah, I think you're right because, yeah, we did lose some shows. So then, but, and then you also look at it too, right? So there's five guys who travel on a national schedule. Everybody else is filled in with the Stemlers, the Thurlbys, the, you know, Garrett yeah. Wiles who will mount up tires. Um, yep. w- I think a lot of your race is going to depend on getting your guys to switch over. Do you think that they're going to be willing? And I think people will be surprised how many of our guys do switch over. I mean, Derek is a heck of a racer, and Garrett and right. is no yeah. slouch. Yep, yep. And Stemler ran us every time he was in town last year, and he loved our place, in his words to me. I'm the guy. I had uh, this just uh, off the wall kind of Justin Barnhill. I believe his name's Justin Barnhill from Florida, brought his mod up to Florida and raced last summer. And he stopped at Crystal. And I make a habit of every night driving through the pits and trying to thank every single racer for coming and spending their dollar with us and enjoying their time with their family with us. And I make that a point to do that every week. And Mr. Barnhill said he went to seven tracks between Florida and Michigan. And I was the first promoter that thanked him for coming. Wow. And that resonates with people, Absolutely. I think. You know, every, yeah. everybody wants to feel appreciated. So, I, and coming from the service industry, that's one of the things we do is try to we try to provide service that isn't offered everywhere. So, I want to play into our discussion last week, and obviously, a lot of people heard it. A lot of people weighed in on it on social media. Uh, and one of those questions was, "Can you get an American Racer track to bring in a national tour?" You've answered that question. The question is yes. Um, and so just to, to boil it right down and pan it all the way out again, Brian, um, your, your late model regulars who are true American racer fans, you're one of the tracks in the state that's been on American racers the longest. Um, you think that we'll see those guys, uh, switch over for one night and, and run a summer national show at your place? 
I do. I think a lot of them can't wait to do so. It's not a matter of they're scared to do it. It's a matter of the yearly cost. Like Derek broke it down on your post, I believe it was, because he's a really good example. Because on Friday nights, he runs Hoosiers at the track over to Tri-City. And on Saturday, he runs American Racers at Crystal. And he won the championship at both tracks this year. You're right. And so he had it broke down dollar for dollar what he spent on Hoosiers versus what he spent on American racers. And it was thousands of dollars. And so for the average, uh, uh, not high budget racer, them thousands of dollars go a long way in tow money or fuel or parts that you need, or, you know, other facets in racing and not just tires that we wear out and throw out behind our barn. Ryan, I think it's pretty cool that uh, you guys stepped up and bring a Summer Nationals Health Tour event to Crystal. But what uh, what kind of other cool stuff, uh, if you kind of have your schedule kind of figured out, uh, do the yeah. race fans and drivers got to look forward to in 2024? Well, I've got a couple of things I wanted to chat about. One of the things I really wanted to come on for is one of my goals when we took this over was trying to get tracks on the same page. And Dozer Dozman and I had a conversation. He's the general manager over to Thunderbird. We had a conversation about six weeks ago about how cool it would be if we were all on the same rule set so that we have a big race called the Lebo Birthday Bash. It's a street stock race. It would be nice if those guys could come and run our race. And they have a race over there. One of them I know of of theirs is the Feckin' Memorial they have. Well, it'd be nice if I could send my guys over there to run that. So we started chatting about it. We met two weeks later. Before we knew it, we had Eric Myers from I-96, and we had Heidi and, and Tom Sprague and, and Dozer from Thunderbird, and we all got together. And for the first time, they told me, I'm not, not 100% sure, but for the first time in about 30 years, we have three tracks on the identical rules package for all of our classes. How hard? And in the racing world, I don't think there's anything much cooler than that. If I was on vacation or on the west side, you know, no matter where I'm at, I can go racing tomorrow and my car is legal. Yeah, you don't have three. You don't have three tracks in the state that agree what they're going to sell at the concession stand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much, much much less any much less car rules on their on their divisions. <laughs> well, so to me, and and when you accomplish something like that at the uh, local level, it's just it's just, it's a no-brainer, and it benefits everyone. And, and I've been having some conversations as well with some, uh, you know, national touring series who are trying to do that very same thing uh, and trying to get some common rules so that guys can go back and forth between the series. And so I just, take us inside a little bit. How difficult was it to do that? Uh, was it just a little bit of, uh, you know, give and take for, from everybody to kind of end up saying, okay, maybe this rule isn't as important as we think it is, or, hey, that's a great restriction that we all need to have. Uh, what, what, was the, what were those meetings like to get three to four tracks on board? I, you know, you'd be surprised how well it went. I don't think there was one heated discussion. Everybody was on the same page for the better of racing. And the only, you know, Crystal has always had a claim rule and ours is considerably low. So I think the only real concession or worry that we had outside of, of parts and things like that was the claim. And in today's world, it costs so much to build a motor, and it's so hard to find parts nowadays that we were already receiving the claim at Crystal 
it was going higher and higher the last couple of years just because it is so much more difficult to get motors and build motors and it costs a lot. So I think that was probably the biggest hurdle. But I was very, very surprised. I had been to Thunderbird and I've been to 96. I used to work with Eric's brother. I used to work at Berger's and Ionian. I worked with Eric's brother there. And so I had known these guys, but never really truly knew them. Tom Sprague's a legend, right? I mean, he's been around for a long time. And so when we all sat in the same room, I was really, Jake and I, my brother Jake and I had a conversation after the first meeting on how well it truly went. And everybody was on the same page. And so we kind of, our four cylinders kind of went up a little bit towards their four cylinder version. And the street stocks maybe per se came down a little bit towards our version. And uh, it was it was remarkable how well it truly went, really. They, they've been a pleasure. And every, you know, we, we're going to govern it together. We'll have conversations after the races and make decisions together instead of, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this at my track and you guys are going to do this at yours. We're going to try to do it all season, everything together. Well, when you guys were working on these divisions and trying to get them uh, on the same page, about how many concessions did you have on average for each division? Was it like two or three things for you, a couple things for them? How did that work out? I would say truly it was only a couple things. Like the pro stock rules did not change at all. Uh, which they don't run them at Thunderbird. They have the pro lates and we have pro stock. And so I-96 and Crystal, those rules haven't changed in years. The pro trucks, I think we only had one change on the pro trucks. We had a couple chassis builders that came and explained things from that side of the story on why it would be better to do this, that, or the other. But I think it was only truly just a couple of things. The street stocks were probably the most changes. And I think we had five changes between the two of us combined. So we were almost similar. We were similar before. There were just a few things where we kind of met in the middle is what we tried to do. As a low-budget racer, I can tell you that there were a couple of times where my dad and I considered building a car again, and we just start looking at the rule books and go, gosh, we're, we're only limited to one or two places that we can go. Uh, street stocks are so hard right now. That division is just in such a weird place. Um, so I think it's great that you guys have uh, three to four guys, three to four racetracks who all agree on what they want to do here. Brian, i got to ask you one other thing. Uh, this whole rules thing in this, uh, what you guys are talking about with being able to concede on a couple of things and enforce things together, this feels very MSPA-like, uh, where where if one track decides that this car is not legal, the other track is going to agree with that. Um, you, you all kind of have entrusted each other to help enforce these rules week in and week out so that somebody can't come to you and say, well, Thunderbird let me run it this way last week or last night. Uh, why are you guys not going to let me run it this way? Uh, is there any concern on that front, or, or are all the tech inspectors and the management team, everybody is aware of what needs to happen here? The last few meetings, we brought our tech inspectors to the meetings also. So any concerns they might have, we wanted to be able to hash them out. We announced the rules, I think, three weeks ago, and we just had another meeting last weekend where we updated a couple, three of the, I think we changed three things. Uh, one on the late model, one on the street stock, and one on the, the four-cylinder class, that we were seeing the feedback on social media, and some of it made sense, right? We do listen. We really do listen. And a lot of the times, the rules that we're making, we're protecting the racer from themselves. That's the truth to it. Because uh, when, when I went to the RPM meeting, they had this stat. You know, they have, they have all the, 
the the research and statistics and all that stuff based on statistical things. And I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something along the lines where if you allow or if you pay one dollar more, they will spend nine dollars to win that one dollar. And so sometimes by increasing your purse, it's actually a negative effect because they spend more money to get to that money. Ryan, just Zach, real quick, the money doesn't matter. The first, the first guy that you get the, the, to to stop working against himself, I got to meet that guy because I don't know. A race car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm gonna. I, I, I've seen race car. I've seen fifteen thousand dollar race cars run for two hundred and fifty dollar features. Yeah, it's, it's yes. not pretty. It's not a pretty. It's not a pretty thing to see. I, I've seen fifteen thousand dollar race cars get tore up for twenty dollars worth of plastic and a trophy. Okay, so right. you know right. if, if there's a reason to win the race, the guys are going to do what it takes to do that. Um, yes, Brian, yes. running out of time here. I want to go back to the Summer Nationals Hell Tour date because this question is gaining traction on social media and is now gaining traction on our promotions post, which uh, at the time of the show recording has only been up for an hour. Dirt Car Summer Nationals Hell Tour usually blows into town with the support of the Summit Racing Equipment Modifieds. Uh-huh. That was clearly left off of their schedule when this was posted. And uh, yes. you, you mentioned wanting to get drivers into your racetrack. Uh, there are some Dirt Car UMP Modified owners left, Hartford and Butler, two of the tracks left in the state of Michigan who run those uh, divisions. And then it's real easy to find them in Indiana. Um, wanting to come to your racetrack and not getting the opportunity. What was the conflict? We, you know, Jake and I just talked about that tonight on the car ride up to my mother's and, uh, and we, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say the door is closed. We still will be looking towards making that happen. As we were talking to Sam, Sam was just kind of concerned that there weren't enough of them left up here and we would end up having, uh, you know, a bunch of filler cars that put on different tires that are not necessarily a UMP modified. Interesting. And so, and so we were, uh, we, the discussion is not closed. Uh, we, we closed this deal on the week of PRI. So Sam was going to be busy for several days and in the next couple of days here, we'll be calling back and hashing out some more information and more things as we're learning as we go. And, uh, we'll see what we can come up with as of right now. They did not schedule it. No, but that's not saying that maybe it can't happen. We just have to make sure it's all done the right way. Yeah, that date is open on the Dirt Car Summer National schedule. July 10th and 11th, uh, Hartford and Butler, then a night off, and then they go to Oakshade, which, by the way, does not run any sort of modified at all, and they have enough right, confidence right. to bring the modifieds down to that racetrack. I think... This is just my opinion. Hartford and Butler do not share a whole lot of modifieds, to be honest. And uh, Hartford, about 15 cars on average, a lot of those guys from Indiana. And Butler with about, uh, I would say, Rich, an average of about 20 to 22 cars a night. I, I think those guys will make the trip uh, because they'll get a chance okay. to go back to their home racetracks um, on, on Saturday at Butler or if they want to go down to Oakshade. Uh, and, and, right. and then if you have a couple IMCA guys who want to try to make the show, I think you'll have 25, 30 cars there for the modified side of things. That's just my personal opinion. Um, maybe maybe put some feelers out. Uh, this post is going to get some attention on it. you got two guys. Corey, B- Corey Bevard is one of them who wants to come to your racetrack, and everybody knows how good he is at Butler. Um, so uh, I, I think that this is something to consider for sure. Brian, uh, we got to wrap things up. We could talk about Crystal and about racing for a long, long time. Yeah, um, we could. But first of all, 
uh, Rich, I think you'll agree with me. Hats off on your first season. You you uh, you Thank made you. it. You made it to the end. You did great things. You made improvements, facility improvements, racetrack improvements, and uh, you guys still have a great customer and fan base. So that's a, a great job, well done. Uh, so congratulations. I really appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we just we just got to get Mother Nature to work with you a little no bit. No kidding. Yeah, right? yeah. We're already praying for this year that she's a lot nicer to us than she was <laughs> last year. For sure. Brian, man, congratulations on the Hell Tour. Seriously consider bringing in those Summit Equipment Modifieds. I think you guys will have a good show uh, if you guys are able to pull that off and, and the dollars and cents make sense. So, uh, But that'll do it, Brian. Thank you so much, man. Good luck in 24. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it every time. Thank you very much. Interesting perspectives from both interviews. Uh, that, or Actually, I don't know if it's all three interviews that we uh, just had right there. Uh, Rachel, Megan, and Brian, thank you to those uh, individuals for being on our program tonight. Let's go to Rachel and Megan first, Rich. Um, what a cool, I mean, sisters, right? Everybody knows what the dynamic can be like between sisters. Um, then you put them on the racetrack together. How cool that they've been able to make this work for so long. And, um, you know... Household names, not yet, but they're, I mean, they have feature wins, Rich, and uh, Rachel is only 10 years into her Dirt Late Model career. Subtract two or three years from Megan. Uh, these these cats have got some growing to do, and they could really become uh, household names in no time. Yeah, and they, they it sounds like they have no problem taking the graphics off of each other's cars <laughs> uh, the hard way. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're going into it with, I, I, what I like the most, is they're going into it with the right attitude. Yeah. They they're going for business, right? Number one, we we're, we're not going there just to, to run say around we've the been. track yeah. and just, just to say we've been, but they want to enjoy the trip as well and enjoy the atmosphere. And as long as you can balance that and keep business business and have the playtime and, and be able to enjoy it and watch the races, you can find some time to do that. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be successful, and there's no way that it would be a bad trip if you can make both of those things work out. Brian LeBaron, part of the management team at Crystal, he uh, he told us off the air, he goes, I knew that you were going to throw some fastballs at me. Um, and, uh, you know, we did because that's what people want to know, Rich. Why were the Modifieds left off the schedule? I think it'll be encouraging to hear that that door is not padlocked shut yet. Um, I think now it's, it's on the Modified driver's if they want to race at Crystal, they need to make it known. Yeah, and and I, I I I don't think it's against the rules to start getting on the phone and calling guys that you know have UMP modified and say I want you to come race my race. Can you commit? Yeah, and see what he can get in his back pocket. You start thinking uh, about you start thinking about just off the top of my head, Kevin Reeve, uh, who used to run late models at Crystal all the time uh, back in his late model days. Uh, Corey Bevard wants to go run this race. I'm sure Steve Schillenberger will go. Rick Swordout will go. Um, there are other modified greats that I'm forgetting from Butler. Then you look at Hartford. Frank Marshall will probably go. I would I would look for a, a McKenzie to go. Um, you know what what are some of those guys doing who race on Friday nights? I think that that you know Hartford's going to have a decision to make on Friday night with Crystal Racing anyhow. So. Uh, maybe that's the conversation that needs to be had is between the Dibbles and the LeBarons to say, hey, what can we do to borrow your division for a night? And it's not that far, really. I mean, you're, you're talking Hartford and Butler. Is it really? It's a couple hour drive. Right. Whoever, you, for the most part, whoever you get down there, you may have a couple guys turn around and go home. But I think for the most part, 
they're going to continue the run through the state of Michigan. That's just my opinion. I agree with you. I uh, I hope I personally hope modifieds get added at Crystal. And then the tire discussion. I mean, that's kind of the cap on that where we said, you know, American Racer Tracks won't get national tours. Okay, well, Brian figured out a way to get it scheduled. Hold now, my beer, right? Now we'll wait and see. Uh, you know, you, you kind of got this impression by the way I was asking the question, but if Brian only gets an 18 to 16 car field that's made up of 90% guys that don't race crystal, you've got your answer. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know that that's going to be the case. Uh, you know, I think what's going to help them, I, I think that the, I think that his home track drivers are going to want to show that they can compete against guys from out of state and from elsewhere in the state. You're not going to have a problem drawing the Stemlers and the Nickersons and the Thoroughbees. I don't, I don't think you're going to have a problem drawing them to that race. Sure. Um, and you're going to be able to get some of the guys because of the weekly $5,000 payoff, 3000 2000 you know, the, the weekly win that they started to get guys to keep showing up. So if guys have a – there's going to be some guys that have a couple of good nights at Hartford and Butler. If they have a couple of good nights, they're going to chase that $5,000 points on up to Crystal. Yeah. I, I firmly believe it. So – I don't think that's a problem. Are, are you going to get fifteen of them? You know, from that 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 have followed that. No, I don't think so. But but you're still you're sure going to get some. It'll be interesting to see uh, that final week. Like we mentioned, week five is always tough. Michigan week is always tough on the Hell Tour to see if uh, see what we get in the state. But fans support it. I think that's the important thing is that race fans go to these events so that racetracks keep scheduling these races and and keep bringing in these national tours. Um, so looking forward to that. That's going to do it for our program tonight. Don't forget, uh, how could you, coming up in uh, Wednesday, two days. Really, it'll be a day uh, if you listen to this on Tuesdays. Uh, we'll start having our coverage of uh, Gateway Dirt Nationals on Horsepower Happenings, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Special behind-the-scenes interviews, behind-the-scenes insights uh, from the stands, from the pits, from the hotel room. Uh, you know, it's it's such a massive complex there, Rich, uh, that uh, we're really excited to get in there for our first time. Thank you so much, Chris Mapes, CNT Services. Uh, they have made this possible for us to do this, and uh, we can't give them uh, enough appreciation and Chris for everything that he's done for us this week. And, uh, yeah, somebody will turn 29 this week as well, and so we'll make sure that we celebrate that appropriately too. Well, that narrows that down. <laughs> it's not me, obviously. Uh, well, I don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't know that I remember twenty nine, Zach. Well, with your help, Rich, I might not remember it either. We find out this week in St. Louis uh, for the Gateway Dirt Nationals. Again, thanks to Megan and Rachel and Brian for being on the program tonight. Thank you all so much for tuning in. For Rich France, uh, my co-host Scott Manlin, who pays the bills. I'm Zach Heiser. Thanking you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Horsepower Happening. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.